Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tuesday night, and you know exactly what that means. It's time for the real conversation with Shayna Thornton. Let's talk America with hopes. Shayna Thornton is your radio talk show spotlighting the critical issues of today. She is certain to feature expert guests and celebrities each and every Tuesday night. She is a celebrated newspaper columnist, popular blogger, and award-winning radio talk show personality who has a passion for groundbreaking discussions. Here she is. Let's welcome the one and only, the engaging host for the national show. Please give it up for Shana Thornton. Well, good Tuesday evening, everyone, and welcome to your national award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America, with your host, Shana Thornton. Of course, I am Shana, and I welcome you to this family show. This really is your show. It is Tuesday night, November the 24th, 2015, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I hope everyone is ready for Thanksgiving in just a few days. Uh, This is a time where many people get to uh, catch up with family and friends. So I surely hope you have one awesome holiday. And speaking of awesome, tonight's show is one awesome full show. Tonight we are putting the spotlight on HIV and AIDS. HIV and AIDS, we're going to have a very frank and sincere discussion with two pivotal individuals. We have Larry Walker with Aid Atlanta joining us first, and then we have the award-winning poet Egypt. They both are going to talk about HIV and AIDS in 2015. You have to stay with us regardless of your age, okay? Your health matters, and we want to bring awareness to every single member of our national and international community. We are also having a frank discussion about our veterans. We have someone from the Purple Heart Foundation joining us, so you want to stick with us for that. And speaking of Thanksgiving, we have someone on with us giving us some great hints on how to look for that healthy turkey. This is an eye-opening conversation. You have to stay with us. And lastly, we are talking about your eye health. November is National Diabetes Awareness Month, and eyes are so important to diabetics and non-diabetics alike. So stay with us. We have an ophthalmologist on with us that's going to break it all down. As you can see, we have one comprehensive show tonight on Let's Talk America. Hey, I would like to encourage everyone right now to hashtag LTA Radio on your various social media outlets, okay? If you're on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, whatever you like, Facebook, LTA Radio. Please hashtag, let others know that you are tuned in to us live tonight. And if you're looking for more information on the show, national partners and sponsors, and featured guests, check us out, www.letstalkamericawithshanathornton.com. Oh, and lastly, you know we love great conversation here. We love dynamic music. The vocals of Lindsay Slayton will be with us tonight. Okay, everyone? It's one great show. Hey, message all your family, friends, and neighbors, and let them know that Let's Talk America Radio is on right now. We're in your ear. Let's kick it off. Regina R. Tate is a Christian counselor, and she's written a book entitled There is a Bomb for That. The compilation is her platform to inspire and spread the love of God. The book is encouragement and motivation to get beyond and through everyday issues and problems using the Word of God. In addition, she shares some accounts of athletes and other well-known people doing admirable or not-so-admirable things to help push across her messages of encouragement. 
Tate combines her love of sports with her love of the Lord to inspire those of us who are on the Lord's side and others who are seeking reasons to trust in God. Within the book are articles or missives including Hold Fast, Gifts of the Cross, Call to Be Better, and Don't Get Weary, all of which remind us that God is always pulling for us to get to the other side of the room. In the missive, there's a bomb for that. Tate Vince, my head hurts because there is so little tolerance for the diverse prisms through which we see life, and there is a declining appreciation for the myriad ways we have come to survive life. She goes on to explain why her neck hurts, her eyes, her ears, her stomach, her feet, and even her heart hurt. But then she points out that she is not in a woe is me state of paralysis because she says, I have medicine. I have a bomb in Gilead. Her aim with the book is to remind all of us that we indeed have medicine for whatever ails us. Regardless of what the situation or the crisis is, there is a bomb for that. Books may be purchased on authorhouse.com or at amazon.com or you may visit the website there is a bomb for that.com for more information. Greetings, I'm Sean Gilliland, etiquette consultant and author of the Success with Etiquette Book of Etiquette. Do you know how to make a proper introduction? Would you like to learn new techniques on how to communicate effectively to advance your career or increase your clientele? The Success with Etiquette Book of Etiquette teaches you the intricacies of etiquette that will sharpen your business acumen, making you and your ideas more appealing to clients and employers. Did you know social skills often take more time to learn than technical ability? Employers place as much or more emphasis on personality. With the Success with Etiquette Book of Etiquette, you will learn valuable business and social etiquette skills to enhance your professional image, polish your communication skills, and build your brand with positive first impressions to gain a competitive edge. The Success with Etiquette Book of Etiquette will help you avoid unconscious mistakes that sabotage your corporate image, profitable alliances, and reputation. The book benefits all professional levels, including children and young adults, because the principles of proper etiquette never changes. Enjoy a great book the whole family can read together, while learning business and social etiquette skills you can use in the boardroom and beyond. Visit successwithetiquette.com for your copy of the Success with Etiquette Book of Etiquette, and to learn more about our exciting books and programs, contact area code 202 352-3166. Well, a huge thank you to all of our national partners and sponsors. Your support means everything. And, of course, I'd be remiss if I did not acknowledge our loyal weekly listeners. Thanks for tuning in with us each and every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also, thank you for sharing the great news about this show, your family radio talk show, okay? We have gotten the feedback, and thanks for sharing and letting others know that you're tuned in. It means a lot. Also, I want to thank our individuals that go back and listen to the replay podcast. Thank you for tuning in, catching us. Even if you don't catch us live, you always find a way to tune in at a later date when it's convenient for you. And that's what's important. And want to let everyone know that we are on iTunes now. You can find the podcast, Let's Talk America, with host Shana Thornton on your iTunes. Okay? So while you're there checking out movies or the hottest music, tune in to our podcast. Okay? Catch all of the episodes you may have missed. 
All right, everybody, and you may have a free time when you're driving the day before Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving morning. Check us out. LTA Radio is in your ear. We keep the conversation going. Well, everyone, right now we're going to go right into In the News. And, of course, it's where we highlight and spotlight the top trending stories that matter to you from around the world. Friendly reminder, we are now on television. We have joined forces with SCB Channel 182 out of Georgia to bring you the televised version of In the News. So maybe you're thinking, Shana, I don't live in Georgia? That's fine. You can visit us on our website at www.letstalkamerica with shanathornton.com, and there you can check out all of our live television footage of In the News, okay? We keep you abreast of the topics that matter. Well, we're set to kick it off. In the News for the week of November the 23rd, 2015. Liberian health officials face Ebola outbreak again. Liberia has placed 153 people under surveillance as it seeks to control a new Ebola outbreak in the country's capital more than two months after the West African nation was declared free of the deadly virus. Three new Ebola cases emerged in Liberia on Friday, November the 20th. The African nation suffered the highest death toll and the worst known Ebola outbreak in world history. Over 4,500 people died. Liberia was declared Ebola-free by the World Health Organization earlier this year. In the news, President Obama offers tough talk. President Barack Obama toughened his rhetoric against the terrorist group ISIS at a weekend press conference in Malaysia. The president described the group as quote-unquote, a bunch of killers with good social media, he said. He went on to say that, quote, they are dangerous and they cause great hardship to an overwhelming majority of people. The Obama administration has gone on record saying it wanted the U.S. to accept at least 10,000 Syria refugees in the next year. Now, on Thursday, November the 19th, the Congressional House quickly passed the bill that would suspend the program allowing Syrian and Iraqi refugees into the U.S. until national security agencies certify they don't pose a security risk. And lastly tonight in the news, college football rankings are out. Clemson and Alabama hold on to number one and number two rankings according to the AP and coaches poll. Clemson beats Wake Forest 33-13, to while Ohio State loses to Michigan State with a last-second field goal. Final score was 17-14. to Ohio State Buckeyes have dropped in the polls. Well, that's your college sports news. Hey, stay tuned in with Let's Talk America Radio, where we bring you the topics that matter, okay? And we have now incorporated some sports in there for you. For all of our sports fans, we did receive your feedback, okay? So we are in tune and in sync with you. Well, everyone, I'm excited to get to our main topic tonight, which is AIDS and HIV, okay? I'm no expert, but we have individuals who are in the trenches of the communities out there that will join us tonight and offer some sincere and frank discussion. Uh, But before we do, as always, keeping with tradition, I would like to go over our quote of today. Our quote for tonight's segment comes from the one and only celebrated Eleanor Roosevelt, who once said, people grow through experience if they meet life honestly and courageously. This is how character is built. Again, Eleanor Roosevelt once said, people grow through experience if they meet life honestly and courageously. This is how character is built. Well, Miss Roosevelt said it best herself, you know. You, we have to meet life head on, and we have to try our best to be strong. 
strong and have a lot of courage as we do. I recognize that there are a lot of ups and downs in this life, inclines and declines without question. But if we keep pushing ahead, keep showing the strength that all of us have deep down inside, we will push through it and come out on top, okay? So I wish you a great thriving life. All right, everyone? Well, let's get right to our main topic for tonight's segment. Now, according to the CDC, about 1.2 million people in the U.S. are believed to be living with HIV. It is estimated that over 26,000 of those individuals have AIDS. Tonight, we are putting the spotlight on this very critical and important health conversation. I'm honored to bring in our first guest, Larry Walker. Let's kick it off. And remember, message all of your friends, hashtag LTA Radio right now. Hi, my name is Kezia Alford. For more information on my music, please go to keziaalford.com. That's K-E-Z-I-A-A-L-S-O-R-D.com. Or find it online at any digital outlet. I pray that my music blesses your soul. And you are currently listening to Let's Talk America with James Orton. Listeners of your award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America, with host Shana Thornton, it is Tuesday night, and we spotlight the issues that matter to you. And tonight, we're talking about HIV and AIDS. And right now, I have on with me the celebrated activist. He's also a poet and playwright. I have Larry Walker on with me from Aid Atlanta. Welcome to Let's Talk America Radio, Larry. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, our honor. Now, we want to talk about this disease because it's very important. Our health matters, and we realize that. And we believe here at LTA Radio, Larry, that awareness and information is the start of so many things um, that can go on to be great in sense of prevention or longevity. So first, please provide a brief definition of HIV, and how does it differ from AIDS? HIV is a human immunodeficiency virus, and basically HIV is the the virus that causes AIDS, which is acquired immunodeficiency virus uh, syndrome. Um, so basically, um, basically HIV is like the starting the starting point. It's like AIDS is like you know full grown cancer to you know a cancerous cell. So HIV would be like the cancerous cell. AIDS would be like full bone cancer. They actually people are calling it uh, advanced stage HIV. Okay, and Larry, let me ask you this: Everyone that has HIV, will they go on to get AIDS, or not necessarily? Well, if they adhere to that medical regimen, no, that the, um, you don't have to develop AIDS. You know, so AIDS happens when a person's T cells fall beneath uh, 200, okay. or they get the opportunistic infection, something like hepatitis C or something like that. So no, everybody who has HIV doesn't automatically acquire AIDS, but if you don't take your, take your medicine and if you're not seen by a medical professional regularly, uh, chances are that you will. Now, this may be an obvious question for you. You're an, obviously an advocate and an activist. But for those who are listening to our voices right now, I want to provide as much information as possible and not leave out anything that may be critical. You know, okay. How does someone get HIV um, and or AIDS? HIV, uh, you contract HIV either from mother to child, so you can be born with HIV, or you can get it from a mother who has HIV and isn't on her medication, can pass it on to her child by not uh, taking her antiretrovirals uh, via breastfeeding. So 
from sharing intravenous drug use, uh, intravenous uh, drug uh, utensils. Uh, you can get it from sex, unprotected sex with a person who is positive, okay. and also from mother to child, like I said, via breastfeeding or vaginal birth. Okay. And uh, is it also true from blood transfusions? I know that was a topic um, early in in the early 80s, but I, I'm just assuming, yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but now do they regulate the blood more where that's very, um, very highly impossible, in other words, yeah. to happen? Okay. So all of the blood that's pro provided for blood transfusions is screened, and um, for the uh, yeah, so blood transfusions is not like, you know, a viable uh, okay. a means of transmission anymore, even though, it, it, like you said, it was in the 80s. Okay. You know, obviously you've worked um, in the field as an activist for many years. You've worked with uh, nationally recognized programs to prevent um, HIV and AIDS. You've seen a lot, okay? You've seen a lot out in the communities, and right now I know you're with AIDS Atlanta. What's the biggest misconception, Larry, about HIV and AIDS? Because, you know, when, when I think the media hit it, which would have been the early or mid-'80s, there were a lot of things about it that people had wrong. They just they said things that were not true, you know, but here we are in 2015. I would like to think we're more educated and aware of diseases, but not all the time. You hear so much from community yeah. members. You know, what's the biggest misconception? The biggest misconception is that the person who has HIV automatically has AIDS. Okay. Um, I think that that's one of the big, bigger misconceptions that I see in the community. People conflate AIDS with HIV. They, 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 they use the terms as if they're interchangeable, and they're not. So, like I explained earlier, HIV is the virus. HIV is treatable. HIV is not a death sentence like it was uh, uh, assumed to be before. Um, uh, I think also that a person who has HIV is automatically promiscuous. Uh, it only takes one time to become contract, wow. contract HIV, you know, and I think that the assumption in the community and just uh, our culture at large is that a person is either extremely reckless, uh, you know, extremely promiscuous, yeah. and they don't value their life and their body, okay. when the truth of the matter is that some 50% of people who contract HIV could contract it from a partner that they trust. So it's not, it's not, Okay, okay. So you're certainly saying one of the um, misconceptions, or rather two of them, one, that HIV and AIDS are interchangeable. And I certainly, I think you're right about that. I think people use those terms as if they're the same. And thank you for clarifying that for us. And secondly, you're saying that if, if someone does have HIV or AIDS, uh, that doesn't obviously mean that that person has had many, many partners. Exactly. Exactly. And another one that I, w I would clear up is just that just because a person may say have AIDS, that doesn't mean that that person is, you know, on the brink of death. A person has AIDS once their T cells fall beneath 200. That person's T cells can go and, you know, rebound to being in the thousands again, which is like a normal count. So like okay. a person who is not HIV positive, that person can build themselves back up, uh, you know, by adhering to their medical regimen.
can have just a normal, you know, a normal life just like anyone else. You know, Larry, I know, again, as an advocate and activist, you have worked with so many different communities out there um, on different uh, perspectives of, um, you know, the concern of AIDS, which is a health concern. But we've had other uh, individuals come on the show talking about other health concerns such as cancer and diabetes and lupus. And one thing that keeps coming up is that every patient is different. Is that still true for HIV or AIDS? Because we've had physicians come on and say one person may have lupus and it may look nothing like someone else. And so perhaps some of the misconception people are having, maybe they heard or someone or a neighbor or their brother had it and that's what happened to him. So they're assuming everybody that has been diagnosed with HIV or AIDS will have the same walk. And you're here to say that's not necessarily true, right? It's not true at all. It's not true at all. You have to take in consideration a lot of people's, you know, understanding one of the of the epidemic, but then also, you know, their uh, standard, their their uh, quality of life. So, like everybody doesn't. We all don't. We don't all experience this world and this and, and this reality the same. Okay. I'm an American, but like you know, I, I have a different experience uh, as would an American, another American. Okay. So, yes. Raised in the same neighborhood by parents that were friends, we're gonna experience things differently. Our bodies are made up differently. Our immune systems yes. are, you know, very, you know, or uh, as it relates to like, you know, the strength. Like, well, I may have a weaker immune system than someone who gets cell converted. So, it's, it's, I, I think that that's right. You should, we should treat every instance as as unique and and every person as unique because, you know. Uh, I mean, it's so rarely are we ever experiencing a, a situation or uh, an illness or uh, a problem. It's the same way as another of our counterparts, you know. It's Tuesday night, and you're listening to Let's Talk America with your host, Shana Thornton. We are talking about HIV and AIDS. Those two are very distinct. They're separate. Right now, we have on with us activist and advocate and playwright and poet. He is uh, several things. He's very gifted. We have the one and only Larry Walker on with us. He also works with Aid Atlanta, an organization in the Atlanta area uh, that is dedicated to awareness of HIV um, and AIDS. You know, uh, Tell me this, Larry. What group is making up the newest cases of HIV, um, and is it a different group for uh, AIDS? Because again, I want to make sure that I'm, this, you know, separating the two because they are not to be used, um, you know, exchangeable or together as if they're the same disease because they're not. Yeah. And you know, I'm glad that you're um, you're, you're taking the effort to to distinguish between the two because it's, it's totally different. So when you talk about new the rates of new infections, that's definitely with young black gay men. Okay. Between the ages of I would say anywhere between 15 and and 30 or so. Yes. So these guys, these brothers are being highly impacted by the, the, the epidemic. But then when you talk about people who are being uh, diagnosed and having AIDS diagnoses, it varies. So, you know, you have Latin American people, you know, uh, a lot of times they're diagnosed. When they receive their diagnosis, okay. they already have an AIDS diagnosis because of, you know, for any number of reasons, because of, you know, not being tested frequently, not okay. early enough, and stuff like that. So, uh, as far as the, the rate of new infections, I know that that's black gay men. Uh, uh, they're, they're not, the numbers of, you know, uh, infections 
amongst black gay men, young black gay men, you know, far surpass any other group. But when it as it relates to um, AIDS diagnosis, that can vary amongst black, you know, like I said, you know, race and ethnicity, but yeah. then also age as well. So we, we're finding that a lot of older people who contract HIV are finding out later and, and, and getting AIDS diagnoses. Uh, at the time that they found out that they, they are in fact positive, so and, and then that can, like I said, it can be contributed to a bunch of issues that can uh, be, you know, you know, because of stigma. People don't want to get tested. People, you know, okay. an older person may think that they're not really susceptible yeah. to the virus, you know, okay. and that they're probably not sleeping with anybody who would have it and not get tested. And then when they do, you know, they have an AIDS diagnosis like that or something like that. You know, we asked the real questions here, Larry, on the show, and I want to go back to something uh, you referenced. You said the newest cases for HIV are young African-American men that are homosexual. I want to ask you this. Why? Why do you think that is? years and 
if it has, is it for the better? Um, so, okay, uh, prevention programs have changed within the last 30 years, 20 years. Some are still the same. So I work for an empowerment uh, program okay. with, uh, with Aid Atlanta, and empowerment has been around for uh, almost 20 years, you know, so it's not longer than 20 years. And um, so, like, I've seen for different prevention programs come and go taking some great notes. This entire conversation is pivotal, Larry. Um, but this next question I'm sure will interest a lot of our listeners out there, our national and international listeners. There are a lot of them are moms, their dads, their aunts, their uncles, uh, their cousins. You know, talking about STDs, 
sexually transmitted diseases. It's not always an easy or comfortable topic for guardians or loved ones to have with young adults, be it pre-teenagers, teenagers, or young adults, okay? A lot of guardians, I'm just, you know, speaking truth for what I believe to be true, they want to say, I don't want to talk about that. We'll talk about grades. We'll talk about college. We'll talk about everything. But they want to avoid that topic because it can be something they just aren't familiar with themselves. How can those caring guardians, Larry, start that conversation, you know, about the prevention of STDs? which, of course, can be many things from herpes um, to gonorrhea to HIV or AIDS. How can they do it? Because it's a tough subject for moms and dads out there. You know, you want to talk about everything. Say no to drugs. Say no to this. How does a parent do it? So my, my suggestion to parents wanting to talk to their kids about STDs would be to just first start off by having a conversation about sex. Because it's, it's kind of like null and void if you haven't really talked about sex with your kids, you know, about the ins and outs of sex. Um, but then also just to just have the conversation with the kids, discover along with the kids. I think that you respond differently to situations where you seem like when they feel like they're being preached to yeah. as opposed to just let in on information. So we teach kids how to drive. We're not shy about teaching kids how to drive. We know that that's not something that they know how to do, but that we know that it's something that they need to and must eventually learn how to do. We're shy or nervous about it because it's a part of life. And so is sex. And once we understand that sex is a part of life and thus because sex is a part of life, sexually transmitted diseases and infections are a part of life, we can uh, approach the conversation with a lot more confidence and, and ease as opposed to the angst and, you know, that just not wanting to have the conversation. I think also getting kids involved in, you know, like volunteerism, you know, okay. volunteering with programs like AIDS Walk, volunteering with Camp High Five, which is a camp for HIV positive youth, okay. you know, so that they can see that this is not just, because I think that another issue, that another barrier between, you know, keeping our youth safe is that feeling of, 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 of like, you know, I am invincible, this invincibility yes. thing, and, and, and I think that once we can deconstruct that for them, with them, and not in a preachy way, not in a parental, I need to tell you what's going on because you don't have a clue way, but in a very much I'm sure you're talking about sex, but while you're having that conversation with your friends and your peers at school or wherever, also be aware of this aspect of sex. Sex is not just fun and, you know, sex is not just like a rap video, what rap videos and what, you know, modern media makes has other implications, and if you're if you feel like you're ready for sex, then you have to be ready for this. And 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 I feel like just having that conversation in a very real, non-preachy, non-judgmental, very open way is the best way to go. Mm, powerful information again, Larry Walker with Aid Atlanta. You know, before you leave us, you you touched on it before, but I would like you to emphasize it again, Larry. I know you said obviously anyone can have HIV or AIDS. And when you talked about uh, addressing young people as a caring parent or guardian, it's not easy, but you're saying try to have that conversation and try not to make it as preachy as possible, which can be a challenge for a lot of parents, but you're right to go and try to make it work. But when you're talking to the kids, 
Okay, and and I have heard young people say things like they can tell who has an STD. That person looks clean, if you will. Uh, These are conversations that kids are having, and perception is reality. They're believing this, and you touched on it earlier. You touched on it a little just now that, you know, having a real conversation about STDs. Anyone can have it. They don't have a label saying it. And talk about how that's real and how not just for young people, but for people in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s to realize if they're out there that they need to also realize that anybody, anybody can have an STD. Right, Larry? Yes. So um, you said it perfectly, but I, I guess what I would what I would say to you know add to that is that. Um, like you said, STDs don't have a look. A lot, some STDs don't even have symptoms. Wow. So if an STD doesn't have a symptom, then you know yeah. they're right off. So like for like certain like STDs in women, let's just say chlamydia or gonorrhea, okay. it may not have a symptom like it, as it does in a male urethra. But you know, do you, do you have it? Do you look like you have it? Does it make you feel sick? And okay. for a woman, no, it doesn't. You're just walking around just like an average person. People, I think that like. The way of sterilizing or you know guarding ourselves against HIV, we look for wasting. We look for these very you know clear markers that are germane to like the 80s and 90s. Well, now people don't look like that, so it's not it's not a situation where you can just pinpoint it, you know, or, or guess who has a disease or who has an illness. It's just the best practice is to ask. The best, and, 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 and even in yourself, I think there are a lot of people opt out of testing because they feel like, well, I don't feel sick or I don't feel like I have okay. anything. Wow. Like, you know, well, you may not feel like you have anything. Yeah. It's all about what's going on in your body and knowing, knowing, and not guessing. If you have to guess or, 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 or if you have to speculate, it's time to get a test. Mm powerful information. I, I do, for our listeners uh, that stick with us weekly, uh, if you may recall, a few months ago, Dr. Angela Jones joined us, and she's a gynecologist, board certified out of New Jersey, and she said, in her opinion, Larry, when it comes to any health concern, it's better to go and get the screening and the testing to at least try to catch it as early as possible. So there can be many options or several on the table versus waiting too late, and then the options are very limited. And I'm sure you would agree that would also apply to STDs such as HIV and AIDS, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 the screening is available for for whatever. Like, don't guess. Don't try to play around. Don't look WebMD. You know, like, I think that the first thing we want to yeah. do is go and disqualify what we don't want it to be. Okay. Even if you don't feel like you have an illness, if you're at the doctor and you're getting, you know, if you're getting your blood pressure yeah. so checked and you're getting while you're getting your you know your other yearly cholesterol you know, your annual yeah. cholesterol stuff and everything checked make sure that they do an STD screening and be honest with your doctor about your practice as long as all of the panels that he does is okay we we will just stay fine and leave when we may actually be carrying an, an STD it may not be HIV but HIV is not the only STD that's right that
to posture as if, you know, look at me, I'm this angel. One deserves to be as healthy as possible. Larry, thank you for joining us tonight, this Tuesday night, putting the spotlight on HIV and AIDS. I know you work with AID Atlanta. For our international and national listeners that want to know more about uh, the organization, uh, get some factual information about the disease, where can they go? They can go, they can visit www.aidatlanta.org. They can also visit www.evolutionacl.org. Okay. Evolution ACL is the uh, program that I helped to run at Aid Atlanta yes. for young black gay men. Okay. And um, so, yeah, aidatlanta.org, evolution.org, evolution. evolution America with your host, Shana Thornton. Keep sharing the great information in the various communities. Yeah, thank you so much, Shana. What a conversation. We are not done yet. We have another brief conversation with award-winning poet Egypt about HIV and AIDS. We're talking about a timely topic also. As many of you may know, Charlie Sheen recently announced that he is living with HIV. Egypt and I talk about that and much more. Stay with us. This is Shirley, and we just love listening to Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton. Hi, my name is Kavarka, and I listen to Let's Talk America. Hi, my name is Nicole Dodd, and I'm tuning in every Tuesday at 7.30 to Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton. This is Audrey, and I'm listening to Let's Talk America with Shayna Thornton. This is such an awesome show. If you're not connected, you really need to be. Listeners of your national award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America, it is Tuesday night, and we are continuing the conversation, a very critical conversation, about HIV and AIDS, okay? Awareness information is powerful. Right now, I have with me a phenomenal featured guest. I have the one and only Egypt. He is the president and founder of AIDS Awareness Poets, and also of another neat organization or initiative, he is the president and founder and organizer of AIDS Games. Welcome to Let's Talk America Radio Egypt. How are you doing this Tuesday night? I am doing phenomenal, even more so because I'm on this show. How are you doing? I am awesome. I'm dynamic, and I'm excited to talk with you because, obviously, you are a gentleman uh, in the trenches of our communities, okay, seeing things and sharing great information. Let's talk about something very timely right now. We're putting the spotlight on HIV and AIDS. Um, You know, I know, unless someone's been living under a rock, they have heard that the very famous Actor Charlie Sheen, uh, famous for uh, being an actor, if you will, but also for some other uh, antics off of the screen. He recently revealed to Matt Lauer on NBC Network that he is HIV positive and has been, uh, from my understanding, uh, for a few years. You know, this is a huge announcement uh, in the Hollywood world, uh, but we all know that HIV and AIDS affect individuals from all backgrounds and all communities. What do you think, Egypt, this revelation from Charlie Sheen could mean in terms of education and awareness and the conversation surrounding HIV and AIDS? I honestly 
this may blow many people's minds, but I believe it's actually going to change the face of HIV. One of the hardest things that I've dealt with as an activist and educator is getting the media and black America to stop believing that HIV is this black thing. Okay. When you make HIV a black thing, it becomes now a no longer an emergency. This is just being factual. Just giving a little bit of history, there's a young uh, white gentleman by the name of Ryan White. Ryan White was like, uh, maybe preteen or a teenager. Yeah. He got HIV via uh, blood transfusion. He got HIV through a blood transfusion. Now, there were many, you know, qualified, educated people who got HIV either via sex or drugs, where they were out there speaking, articulate, many of them. But none of them, or most of them, didn't get what Ryan White got. Ryan White, as a young white boy, was able to say, I'm, I'm hurt, America. I need help. And now there is a multi-million dollar program every year that, that helps, you know, saves many people, millions of people sometimes. That the crazy thing about that is because it, took, it changed the face of it just for a brief moment. It showed that, that it was, hey, it wasn't just these people that are out here having sex or doing drugs or what have you, or gay people. It was regular white boys, okay. regular Joes that were going to work every day having sex or, or doing blood tests to just keep themselves healthy. Just regular people. And when you make something regular, it takes off the mask of color, a sexual orientation, education, and makes HIV exactly what we as educators are taught. Non-discriminatory, and that's the power. So what he did, in my belief, really can reshape the whole way we look at HIV because it finally says, listen, let's stop putting all this money into only black, only uh, uh, MSM or men that have sex with men. Let's, let's, let's stop just putting money in just those specific communities. Now let's spread it evenly across because everyone is dealing with it and we need to attack it head on with everyone so that way we can change it. Because it's made a lot of news. You know, I want to touch on something you talked about. We just had Larry Walker with Aid Atlanta on, and he said to me that a lot of people, unfortunately, associate HIV and or AIDS to someone that, if you will, um, is very promiscuous or someone that's out there and they've had numerous sexual partners. And he said it so well and so eloquently that it really takes one experience, just like pregnancy, that's the comparison he made. So it is almost, if you ask me, a misconception that people have. If someone obviously has been with multiple partners or not, no one deserves that disease, if you ask me, either way. But I do think there are people that sort of think that, and they're not even conscious that they're thinking that this is a disease that it goes for that person who may even be paying for sex, if you will, or someone who may be participating in that sort of industry, not thinking the average individual can get HIV or AIDS or may already be living with it. Right, Egypt? Even more phenomenal of what Mr. Walker said, if you think about it, HIV is kind of like the lottery. You know, there are people that have played the lottery every day. Their grandmother's out there playing the lottery every day and haven't won anything. But then there's that one person that just gets out of the car one day and says, you know what, I have a dollar, let me play it, and they win. Okay. That's what HIV is. It's, it's not a, it, the reason why you want to focus on it being non-discriminatory and let people know that anybody can do it yeah. or receive it is because now it takes, it makes you as a human, you have to, if you're going to engage in something that adults do, 
you're going to have to be a thought about it. And that's, and that's what HIV does to us. It makes us say, hey, we have to start having adult conversations and do it if we're planning to do something that adults do. Like, that's, that's the power of it. Okay. But we don't like to do that. If you think about it, we all every day do something crazy that we're not supposed to do. We all do something crazy that we're not, for instance, we, 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 even if you do a little bit of it, speeding. If it says 30 miles per hour, you do 31. You know you're not supposed to go 31, but you do it. Okay. Every day we make these conscious decisions to do something that we know we're not supposed to do, and that's what HIV does. It says now sex, the one thing that you could, you thought you could be free with because nobody's watching you, There's, it's all private. Now, even that, you have to start saying, well, you know, I got to put this condom on because, or, you know what, I got to do X, Y, Z because, or I got to ask this person if they got tested because, because now you are forced to be an adult and that is powerful, and that is what we don't like about HIV, because it forces us to think like adults in a moment where we, should, we wanted to be free and just have fun and enjoy this person, but now we have to think like adults, and that, that is what makes it so powerful, what he did, because this brother was a, uh, a man out there who was being very, very much the, the playboy. He had a lot of fun. We all know Charlie Sheen had a lot of fun. He talked about him in the stand-up comedy, okay. and his character, it, that, was, that was him. But he proved it, even though you saw me had a lot of fun. Look at the consequences of it. Wow. It may be just one girl, but look at the consequences of me, for this one woman, me not being adult enough or, or asking the right questions. Look at where I am. And I'm just like everybody. You can't blame it on me being gay, me being white, me being rich, me being any of that. Okay. I don't fit the description of the TV shows or of people who previously had this. Look at me. So that means everybody can get it. You know, Egypt, let's continue the conversation on Charlie Sheen. Uh, as you know, obviously it made huge news, the announcement with Matt Lauer. Also, what has been making news and trending are those who have come out, um, in particular, I think of Jenny McCarthy, who um, has said she has been dismayed with the fact that he is now disclosing this information. Um, it you will, I think, even, you know, saying he hit it uh, in previous years because she worked with him um, in recent years. Do you think he was right or wrong to hold the information? And I'm not sure, let me make this clear, I'm not saying that his camp agrees with her timeline because I do think there has been some disagreement or conflict on when exactly he had it, but I think you would agree with us also because it shows up in a test doesn't mean you just got it, right? Because I, what we don't know is how, how often he's been tested. What do you think about him just disclosing this information, or should he have said it earlier? Well, disclosure is the funny issue, because here's the thing. We don't know exactly when he knew. Okay. We don't know exactly the, the process he went through psychologically when he found out that he had it, and if he was engaging in anything that could cause him to uh, transmit to someone else. If he was doing on on-camera kissing, that's not going to transmit it. It's, it's not like he's bleeding in his mouth and spreading the blood. Okay. There. I mean, that, that's not happening. So it, it's, a touchy situ- it's a touchy issue because if he's not having sex with the people he's working with, then there is no reason to actually, hey, you know, I'll let you know before I shake your hand, I have HIV. That, okay. that, doesn't, that, 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 that's, that doesn't make sense. Now, the people that he's having sex with, we have an obligation as humans to be to do that. And there are many states that have laws that it says, well, you have to tell your mate that you're having sex enough. He's having sex with Jenny McCarthy. Now, that, that, that is a, that's a bogus act because now you put her life at risk 
because the condom can break, and there are all many different things. The condoms are only like 99%. Okay. That's why they, they're scared to even write 100. So it, it, it's, a, it's a touchy situation because we just don't know all the facts. But in, in, in pure conscience, the best thing that he should have done, is, if he did not do it, cause we, and like I said, we don't know, is to make sure you alert the, your sexual partners of what you actually have that you know that you have. Yeah. So that way you can give them an opportunity to say yes, yay or nay. Because that's, that's just a, a human thing to do. So maybe he did that to his sexual partner, made them sign a non-disclosure agreement so they couldn't tell anybody or they were thinking just rumor anyway. So, so if they did tell somebody, nobody really believes it. Okay, which it. is a possibility. We don't know. Yeah. You know, Egypt, let me ask you this. From your perspective. Obviously, you're in the communities. You're out there. You are using the performing arts, the arts, um, even athletics with the AIDS games to get more awareness of this uh, health condition, a very serious one, but also bringing an awareness, helping with prevention, but also letting people know that it can be your neighbor, your sister, your brother, even a mom that is living with HIV and AIDS, that they are everyday people. And I think that is important to make sure we have a face that's relatable because it is the reality of it. But how do you stop the spread of AIDS, from your opinion? First and foremost, we have to give up on these old techniques. We have to give up on having the bureaucracy that surrounds the funding of HIV organizations. We have to give up on believing that uh, speaking up to one demographic and making this one demographic the the torchbearers of this or burden bearers of this virus will be effective. Those are the first three things we have to give up on. The first thing that we would, now the third thing that we would do after we give up those first three things is to now start funding the the treatments for people who have HIV mm-hmm. for everyone. Treat HIV like the flu. Like everyone gets a free flu shot, okay. HIV treatment should be free. And then the, the government should buy the patents over HIV medication. So, so Egypt, you're talking health care reform. Yeah, health care okay. reform. Because the, the, uh, taking, it to the, taking it to the next level, if, we, if the government buys these HIV medications, what could happen is that we could actually get, a, get away from having some people who don't have an health, health insurance. Okay. And aren't able to aren't able to pay because they make too much money or they're in that, that in that little barrier where they, they they're not rich they're they're still a little bit above the poverty line but they can't afford these medications because these medications are expensive we yeah. think it's like Tylenol there's some people paying two hundred dollars for pills I mean they, this is ridiculous but if, if the government was able to buy the buy the patents and buy the medications and, and make it free then what we could have is we could have a place where people would be more enticed to have pay for their med- have their medications and then also right now we have a hard time getting people to stay in treatment. So now we've had a government uh, uh, initiative where people who were HIV positive, they were they were surrounded by nothing but individuals who were just encouraging them to get tested and made this a, a government initiative. You know, just like what we do with breast cancer. We have we have these breast cancer we have athletes every I mean, okay. every so often just wearing all pink. We have these government yeah. initiatives where we're pushing the NFL, the NBA to have these same types of uh, of um of acts of kindness to make it normal. Say, hey, you know what? There are people out here with HIV. Let's make it normal. Where you where you clicked, where this, where that. Okay. And this this day we're gonna let people know. Hey, you know what? We're gonna get tested, and not yeah. mention, if you go get tested, you have HIV. You can get treated, and then we're gonna have these care facilities 
fits together so that way you can get your, not only get your treatment, but be encouraged to be supportive to have and everything is government funded. Okay. And that, that changes it because we have little bits of that existing now, but I'm talking about on a global, on a national uh, stance that, that, that's pushed by the government because whenever the government pushes something, we all know it. Swine flu, bird flu, I mean, Ebola, whenever those things go down, we all know it and it's, and it's Tuesday night, and we are putting the spotlight on HIV and AIDS. We have with us an artist who is very well known, an award-winning artist. We have the one and only Egypt on with us. You should know he is president and founder of AIDS Awareness Poets and also president and founder of AIDS Games, um, an innovative uh, approach uh, to spotlighting HIV and AIDS. It's something, uh, if you will, his own words, like the Olympics. You know, before you leave us, tell me this. We have a real talk for real people. Egypt, do you believe there is still a stigma attached to HIV and AIDS? Because the conversation is a lot different than where it was 30 years ago. That's true. I think most of us who are over the age of 30 can acknowledge that, okay? And most logical people know that anybody can have it, and, and there are many people from every background that are living with it. But do you think in a way that this is still a taboo subject to talk about, a hidden conversation that parents aren't comfortable to talk about with their young ones or even individuals who care about kids, grandparents. Do you still think there's a stigma attached where people just say, we're not going to talk about that, we're not going to address that, let's talk about other issues? I'll answer that just like this. Ask yourself, if you go ahead right now and post a stats and says, if I'm HIV positive, will you still love me? Would you even hesitate to do that? Oh wow! Right now we have a we have a uh, the stigma exists. It still does, and the only way that it can leave is if we make these conversations so regular yeah. that we get bored and tired of them. Just like we do with breast cancer, just okay. like we do with heart disease, diabetes, we got to get tired of it. Where it's like, oh yeah, and it's HIV thing. Oh, the thing that we took care of in in the okay. hopefully this new millennium. So yes, I still believe it's a stigma. And the only way we can get rid of it is we keep talking about it and we make sure that we, we fund it, we love one another, love our loved ones who have it, and have fun. Even start making fun of our loved ones. Hey, we are, hey, crazy girl, come on, I ain't got to be still ugly, you know? Make, make people feel good. Make people understand that they're part of a community no matter what they have. And we can change that stigma. Wow. Love is certainly the theme with Egypt. Egypt, thanks for being on with us. Before you leave us, hey, share with our national and international listeners how they can find out more about you. And from my understanding, I know you already have some books out, but you're working on a new book that, wow, that's really going to catch the attention of everyone, right? It's about relationships. Right, the newest book is called 10 Steps to Get Over an X for Good, and it comes out uh, Valentine's Day. But I'll, the website with that I'll, I'll, I'll bring back to the listeners later on in, uh, in December, in, in January, whenever you and I connect again. So yes. that's going to be a phenomenal book because it's made for everyone, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your religion. It's made to anybody who's who, the only people that this is not made for is the person who met their first love in like middle school and got married. <laughs> like that's the only only people that this would not work for. But this right here is the is one of the most pivotal books of our time because many people kill kill themselves. Oh no, are depressed because of this inability to get over their ex. And this is what I believe a great mission of mine is to help people do this properly. Wait, I've got to ask you this, though, Egypt. While on Valentine's Day, talking about a breakup book. 
Well, that's a lover's day, Egypt. Conversation again with the award winning poet Egypt. We appreciate all of his time and also Larry Walker with Aid Atlanta. Well, I hope you picked up some great information from the conversations tonight, the sincere and frank conversation about your health, putting the spotlight on HIV and AIDS. Right now, we're going to jump right into a conversation about our veterans. You know, recently, a few weeks ago, we celebrated Veterans Day. We need to keep the conversation going year-round about them. I have a special guest with me, okay? Stay with us. Don't leave us. More information coming up. Because remember, this is your National Family Radio Talk Show. LTA Radio is in your ear. Congratulations, on-air personality Shana Thornton on being named the recipient of the 2015 Bold Award in Human Dignity. Your journalistic work on spotlighting the leading topics and people of today makes a difference. Keep up the great work. Listeners of your national award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America. It is Tuesday night, and we are continuing uh, to put the spotlight on uh, some very important individuals in this nation, and that, of course, is our veterans. Now, you should know the Military Order of the Purple Heart, made up of veterans who have received the Purple Heart Medal, uh, was congressionally chartered in 1958. The Purple Heart Foundation, the organization's fundraising arm, supports a number of programs and services dedicated to helping all veterans and their families, including emotional, physical, educational, and financial support. Right now, we have with us the executive, uh, the chief executive officer of the Purple Heart Foundation. We have Steve Ruckman on with us. He manages and raises funds that go directly to support the Purple Heart uh, Veteran Service Officer Program that does assist veterans in getting their VA benefit claims process. Welcome to the show this Tuesday night, Steve. We're excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, thank you. Now, um, I said something, um, some great information about the organization uh, that you represent. You know, it's 2015. Uh, there's different coverage that we see, uh, we get rather, about veterans. Um, some of it is that some of our veterans um, are not getting the benefits that they thought they would initially get when they finished with their services, and sometimes it's years later. You know, how does your foundation help in this process? So, um, great question. For free, we will process any veteran's claim all the way through the highest level appeal in the VA system. The Purple Heart does this by having about 90 certified national service officers who are certified by the VA to advocate for 
shepherd their claims through the VA bureaucracy, which can be daunting at times. Okay. And this is done all the way to the highest level for free. Oh, wow. So totally free. And is this open? And I, I don't want to ask an obvious question, but we have listeners of different backgrounds, national and international. Is this just for those who receive the Purple Heart or up, and their families? Or it's open to any veteran? No, Shana, any veteran and any family member of a veteran who has a service-related disability, okay. regardless of whether or not they've received the Purple Heart, qualifies for support from the Purple Heart Foundation. Wow. What are some of the Foundation's key programs? So we have made our focus issues, in addition to helping veterans process their VA claims, to focus programs on post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury, suicide prevention, and women veterans' issues. Wow. So you all cover a lot. I want to touch on something, um, your last statement. You said women veteran issues. Um, we know in the time uh, that my father and the baby boomer served during the Vietnam era that there were not as many women as we see today. Now, we know from uh, recent coverage there are more women serving in the armed services, so obviously there are more veterans coming out. How do the concerns of those female veterans differ? Well, so you're starting to see as well that uh, female veterans are are being put into combat positions, and they're actually earning Purple Hearts wow. as well. And the, and medical treatments for men and women can differ significantly due to internal physiology and that sort of thing. And women present with a different set of, uh, of needs than men. And we want to make sure that the military is able to react and that our veteran service programs are able to react to the special needs of women as opposed to just men in combat and disability. Mm. Oh, wow, amazing purpose and mission there. Steve, you know, it is Tuesday night, and Let's Talk America with your host, Shana Thornton. We are continuing the conversation about veterans. Uh, there are, um, obviously, uh, there's some concerns that uh, many of you already know this. You've messaged us and said that perhaps your father, uh, your uncle, your brother has been a veteran, and, and they've had some concerns of getting their benefits. Um, that's not necessarily say that's the experience of all veterans, um, but we know also due to media coverage there have been some uh, concerns on that level. Tell me this, uh, Steve, there are many who listen who are civilians, who never served, and they want to help. You know, they, they don't like to see uh, someone who um, has a legitimate service-connected disability or physical or mental emotional concern go without the help they need. How can someone, uh, the typical person, help out? So that's a great question, Shana, and uh, there are many ways that people can help. Well, locally, you can support your veteran-owned businesses. Um, politically, you can contact your representatives and demand support for veterans' programs. But um, the need exists beyond the government. If government did for our veterans everything that it should, the Purple Heart Foundation would be unnecessary. Okay. But it is, it is necessary, and local support from individuals through donations is what we depend upon to, to fund the programs that we provide to help veterans. And we can take donations of cash, cars, and clothing. Wow. Any means. So that's not an excuse not to give something because you all even take uh, donations of items. You know, tell me this before you leave us as we wrap up. Perhaps there's a wife. 
of a veteran listening in right now, and she's sitting um, in Rochester, New York. Or perhaps there's a veteran himself, and he's out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and he's 30%. And he um, has a claim that he believes he should be higher than the 30%. Or that wife sitting in Rochester, uh, her husband has not gotten what she believes he should have gotten any coverage whatsoever to help. And he's aging, and he's getting up there, and things are not looking that great. What would be your words of wisdom or hope for them, Steve? Uh, because you obviously work with many veterans. You've seen a lot yourself. Uh, what would be words of guidance for them? So there are most likely benefits available through the VA system, and the Purple Heart Service officers are well prepared to take uh, review the case and take it, shepherd it through the VA system all the way to the highest level of appeal to help the veteran or the spouse of a veteran who may qualify for spousal benefits. Okay, all right. And if they, the paperwork perhaps, I've heard some people talk about that. Steve, if the paperwork seems overwhelming, your organization can help with that also? We complete the forms for you, and uh, frequently the, the veteran or the spouse will sign over a power of attorney so that the uh, service officer can sign on behalf of the veteran or the spouse and shepherd those paperwork right through the bureaucracy. Wow. So don't get discouraged. I'm sure that would be your final statement, right, Steve, that just sort of stay in there, and if you need help, there's help out there. Right. And America truly does support and honor its veterans, so do yes. discourage. Yes, it does. Hey, before you leave us, where can our national and international listeners go for more information? Our website is purpleheartfoundation.org. All right, purpleheartfoundation.org. Steve Ruckman, thank you for joining us this Tuesday night. Keep sharing the information for our beloved group, our veterans. Shanda, thank you very much for having me on your program. You're welcome. Well, everyone, Thanksgiving is in just a few days, an exciting time for a lot of individuals. Hey, do you know how to look for that right and ideal turkey for your family? I've got an expert on with me right now. She's going to talk about shopping for turkey and figuring out what those labels really mean. Hi, this is Leslie. I'm really enjoying the show. Let's Talk America keeps you in the know. Hi, my name is Tina Harrell, and I just love listening to Shana Thornton on Let's Talk America. It's wonderful. Please keep it going, Shana. Hi, I'm Yolanda, and I listen to Let's Talk America. Let's keep it going. Listeners of your national award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America, you know, picking the perfect and ideal holiday uh, turkey can be perplexing for many, and all the labels can be pretty much confounding. You know, in fact, words on the label like organic and cage-free, words that a lot of you like to look for because you want to be as healthy as possible, they can actually be misleading, according to our next guest. Let's hear more. She's the director of the ACPCA Farm Animal Welfare Campaign. I have on with me Daisy Fawn. How are you this Tuesday night, Daisy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Ah, uh, what a pleasure. Now, you know just as well as I do that the holidays are coming, and we do have vegetarians that listen to this uh, international show, but we have a lot of meat eaters also, and they love turkey. They do. You know, why is it such a challenge to pick the perfect holiday turkey? Well, the issue is 
sure that most turkeys raised in this country for food are living in crowded, industrial-sized sheds in inhumane, filthy conditions that most consumers would not accept if they could see them. Unfortunately, we just can't see them, so we rely on those labels you're referring to, and there's a lot out there that are actually unregulated, undefined, or they're just misleading marketing. Um, so when it comes to turkeys, there's some words people look for, like, cage-free, natural, hormone-free, and actually what's frightening is that those don't mean anything about how a turkey was raised. Oh, wow. Now, I've also heard, Daisy, that uh, when the, we see this stamp of organic, that can perhaps mean different things. Explain. Well, organic is a meaningful term when you think about what that turkey ate, um, and, you know, people look for it for a variety of reasons, environmental reasons, but when it comes to animal welfare, unfortunately, it falls short of what people expect. So you would hope that organic would mean, for example, that an animal got outdoor access, yeah. and they should and often do, but the problem is that the organic regulations don't define how much space or how long that animal gets to be outside. So that can vary from farm to farm and be as little as a concrete porch. So if people really want to make sure that the animal had a better life, there are certain labels that have better defined standards okay. that you can rely on. Now, tell me about the labels that uh, some of our listeners would want to look for, because you're saying just because we're used to seeing organic and we see the big push for healthiness and, and the animals were treated a certain way and free range, you're saying that doesn't always mean what we think. I want everyone, if you're very interested in this topic, and I know a lot of you are, take out your pens or paper or make your mental notes. Daisy, tell us what labels we should be looking for this holiday shopping season. Okay, so if consumers are looking for a turkey that was raised in a higher welfare environment, the ASPCA recommends seeking out one of three trustworthy welfare certifications. They require on-farm audits and much higher standards for how to raise a turkey than conventional farms. And they are animal welfare approved, certified humane, okay. or global animal partnership. Oh, wow. So okay. those, are, those are backed by audits on the farm, and they okay. require the turkeys get enough space so they can be turkeys, move around, engage in natural behaviors like perching and running around, flapping their wings. Um, and they're only treated with antibiotics when they're sick, which is important because okay. on factory farms, we're seeing birds treated every day with drugs they don't really need, but they're using them to keep them alive and sick and in conditions. Wow. And give us those labels once again, just in case anyone missed all of it. Sure. They're called it's Animal Welfare Approved, Certified Humane, and Global Animal Partnership. And if people are interested, they can go to ASPCA.org okay. backslash labels, and you can find a, a label guide that you can print or just save to your phone and bring it with you in the store. It has all those labels right on it so you know what to look for. You know, thank you so much for uh, putting that on the table because I believe awareness and information uh, can be quite empowering. Now, tell me this, Daisy, what labels should raise a red flag? I know you said just because we see cage-free or organic, it's not what we think. Is there anything else that should definitely raise a flag for us so we can, you know, if we want to have options on the table to make sure our families are eating as healthy as possible? Sure. So when it comes to animal welfare, with turkeys in particular, cage-free is a meaningless term because turkeys in this country are not raised in cages. Um, they are, however, raised in 
gas sheds by the tens of thousands on the ground all crammed together. So while it's a meaningless term because they'd never be raised in cages, again, you want to look for those uh, certified humane or, or welfare-approved terms. Okay. Something like natural, naturally raised, all natural, unfortunately, that, that's a meaningless term when it comes to animal welfare. According to the USDA, it just means that no processed or artificial ingredients have been added after the turkey is killed. So it doesn't mean anything about how they were raised. I see. Um, hormone-free, hormones are prohibited by the USDA for use on turkeys. So that label is actually meaningless. Wow. You know, uh, it's the holidays, but it will come and go. Tell me this. What does ACPCA ultimately hope to accomplish by sharing this information with consumers everywhere? Right. Well, the ASPCA knows that from survey after survey, consumers really want farm animals to be raised in humane, better environments. Um, and at the ASPCA, we realized a lot of people feel helpless in the face of all of this misinformation and cruelty they see through the media. They don't know what they can do to create a change. But there is a way that every consumer can make a difference and vote for better animal treatment with their wallets by looking for more meaningful higher welfare certifications when they go out if they purchase animal products. Wow. Of course, Daisy is the director of the ACAS PCA's Farm Animal Welfare Team, and we're grateful to have you on and sharing your information with us. So uh, you gave us great specific information for turkey. I've got moms and dads who have small kids. They want to put what they believe to be the healthiest products into their kids. Um, sometimes, a lot of times, that may be meat, maybe not. You gave it for turkey. Should they also be aware of those same words or terminology you use for chicken or, or beef, or does it vary when you switch animals? Is that true, Daisy? Well, what's helpful is that the labels to look for, so Animal Welfare Approved, Certified Humane, Global Animal Partnership, across the board, those are good things to look for regardless of what product you're, you're out there searching for. Some of the, the red flag labels change a little bit. You can be assured natural never means anything when it comes to animal welfare. <laughs> things like cage-free may mean something if you're looking for eggs. Uh, okay. For eggs are raised in cages. But again, you can find all of this at ASPCA.org backslash labels. That covers all the species. Great information. And I'm assuming, and not sure if you're an expert on this or not, but I'm assuming when we talk about organic for meat can be very different from when we talk about organic with our plants and vegetables, right, Daisy? I'm just assuming. That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay, great. One more time, give us that website so they can find out more information about your organization and how to be smart when they're shopping for their turkey or other meats this upcoming holiday season. That's right. Thank you. So welfare-conscious consumers can learn a lot at ASPCA.org backslash labels. Thank you. Thank you, Daisy, for sharing this great and timely information with Let's Talk America. Thank you. Happy holidays. Okay, everyone. Well, we have one full show tonight. We only have one more exclusive interview for you, and it's with an ophthalmologist talking about your eye health. That's right. It's very critical for those individuals that have been diagnosed with diabetes, type 1 or type 2, but it's also critical for individuals that are non-diabetic to know their eye health status. When is the last time you've had an eye exam? Stay with us. This renowned doctor is going to talk about keeping your eyes healthy. Just a few minutes more, and we've got some great music by Lindsay Slayton up next. Hello, this is Lisa Dixon, the author 
of the awesome book, Free, that is free with a question mark. I'm an author, minister, and motivational speaker. I would love to come empower you, encourage you. I encourage you today to get my book today. It tells a little bit about what God has brought me from. He's brought me from four and a half years of prison, of being kidnapped and raped. And just how good God is that you are never too low for God to pull you back. If you would like a copy of this powerful book, you can visit my website at www.areyoutrulyfree.com or Amazon.com. Listen, today you need to contact me because this book will set you free. Today you are currently listening to Let's Talk America with the awesome, phenomenal woman, my sister, my friend, Shanna Thornton. Tune in every Tuesday for an explosive show that will truly educate and enlighten you on your day-to-day journey in life. Thank you. Listeners of your national award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America with your host, Shana Thornton. It is Tuesday night, and we are putting the spotlight on your health. You know, we enjoy spotlighting uh, featured conversations that matter. And believe it or not, people, your health does matter. A new survey found that less than half of adults with diabetes understand their risk for vision loss. In fact, diabetes is a leading cause of vision loss among Americans between the ages of 20 and 74 years old. And in many cases, if detected early enough, it can be treated. Now, Dr. Alan Ho is an ophthalmologist, and he's with us right now live on the line, and he's going to uh, share with us more eye-opening survey information and about those results. He's also going to talk about the eye exam that everyone with diabetes should be getting at least once a year. How are you this Tuesday night, Dr. Ho? I'm very well. It's good to be here with you, Shana. Thank you. Now, first, I want to get right to this very important and eye-opening survey. What did this survey reveal about diabetes and vision loss? This survey revealed that diabetes, which is the number one cause, of adult blindness in this country, the survey revealed that most of the patients with diabetes are not aware of their risk for vision loss. Wow. So, I mean, that's interesting because you would think, you hear you thinking here, someone has diabetes. Most people in this country type 2. Obviously, there are those with type 1. And you'd like to think, well, I'm sure they're checking their blood sugar and, and they're having their exam, so they would have to be aware if their vision is not up to par. But you're saying from this new survey, we know that's just not true. That's right. And it is surprising since patients with diabetes fear blindness. And blindness is the number one cause of vision loss in Americans that are working age. So the survey highlights the importance of raising awareness appropriately in November, it's Diabetes Awareness Month. Nice. We, we need to get to the patients so that they understand the risk for vision loss and what simple steps they can do to help prevent vision loss. You know, tell us exactly what vision problems affect those uh, suffering with diabetes. The scary part about what vision problems affect patients with diabetes is that even before patients have symptoms, in other words, they might not have any blurred vision, they can be at risk for vision loss. Okay. Across the country, there are about 20 million individuals, 29 million Americans with a risk of vision loss from diabetes, and the survey suggests that more than half those individuals are not aware of their risk. Wow. You know, what can uh, someone with diabetes do 
to help protect their eyesight? I mean, is there anything? Yes, of course, all the basic principles of maintaining good blood pressure and blood sugar control, walking daily for their well-being is important, speaking with their doctors about the, about the risk for diabetic eye complications, particularly loss of vision, are all important. In this survey, conducted in collaboration with Regeneron, who I'm here on behalf of, really highlights the need that we need to get these patients in for their dilated eye exam. As I've told others before, and I tell my patients, it really takes a village. The patients need to be aware of this, but also, if you know someone with diabetes, please, please encourage them to get their annual comprehensive dilated eye exam. Okay. It's Tuesday night, listeners of your national award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America. You know, we have with us someone right now, celebrated ophthalmologist Dr. Alan Ho. He is the director of retina research at the Willis Eye Hospital, so he knows a thing or two certainly about vision and trying to keep people as healthy as possible. In your opinion, Dr. Ho, why do people with diabetes, do you think, Perhaps, why are they not getting eye exams? Or let me ask this question. Why do you think people in general, diabetes or non-diabetic, why are they not getting eye exams? I think the number one reason why people do not get an eye exam is simply because they're not having problems. Doctor, I'm not having any problems watching TV. I'm not having any okay. reading my reading my phone. But importantly, and underscored by the results of this survey, even if you don't have any visual symptoms, it's important to get an eye exam. So awareness that you need an eye exam is number one. Number two, I think people just don't prioritize their visual or dilated eye exam like they should considering how valuable vision is to quality of life every single day. Wow. Besides for our national and international listeners, you being a gentleman, um, this is your field of expertise, of course, with vision, that when people do go to the eye exam, and I think you're right from what I know when I talk to family, friends, and colleagues, they say, well, I'm not having any problems, and, you know, there's nothing wrong, so I don't need to go to that particular doctor. Um, but I do think with you they need to get in the mindset, just like you get the blood work annually, get those eyes checked. But emphasize to everyone right now that, it, like most things, not all, of course, but if you get in early enough, perhaps you can slow down an issue or perhaps stop it altogether. You're exactly right, Shana. It's really important to get the annual dilated eye exam to protect detect problems early, and if we detect problems early and with treatments, we can reduce the risk of blindness by 90%. That's a wow. important fact to know. Wow. You know, we have millions of diabetics living in the U.S., and it grows every day. Um, some of it due to different factors, our diet, genetics, whatever it may be. There's really a, it's an unknown cause we know at this point. But there are many who are on the brink of it. There are many who, not just because their dad or mom has it, they're going to get it, but Perhaps they've had pre-diabetic um, blood work done, or maybe the doctor's saying be very mindful of it because it's in your family. Maybe the weight is going up, uh, the blood sugar's not right. What would be your advice to those that uh, have diabetes in their family? Should they be aware of eye exams, uh, Dr. Ho, and, and be adamant about getting them just because perhaps to keep their eyes healthy or know what's going on? Or perhaps it could give them an insight um, to uh, different things going on in their body, not just related to diabetes. Shana, you're absolutely right. If you think about the extent of this problem, 
there are 29 million Americans with diabetes in this country, and that's growing at 10% of the country has diabetes. Now, up to 80 million Americans have prediabetes, and those patients, of course, are at risk for diabetes and therefore at risk for diabetic uh, vision loss. I think you bring up an important point. People value their vision, and whether or not you have diabetes, you, you should get it, if you're an adult, get an annual comprehensive uh, eye exam. If you have diabetic uh, problems, then certainly this is even more important. And it's more important because, again, we do have treatments, and we can prevent blindness by over 90%. Awesome information, Dr. Ho. Uh, before you leave us, where can we learn more? Can you repeat the question? Uh, yeah, I was saying before you leave us, where can we learn more? Oh, where can you uh -huh. learn more? Yeah. There's a new website that can raise your awareness uh, and improve the dialogue about eye care health with diabetes, and that website is diabetessightrisk.com. I encourage people with diabetes to visit this website. It'll tell you a little bit more about diabetic vision loss, about what you can do to prevent vision loss, and even get you linked up with a local doctor. Wow, amazing work, amazing information. Thank you, Dr. Allen Health. Continue to share the great news because it is great news that people get into uh, the ophthalmologist early enough. Perhaps we can slow this uh, disease down. Thank you. You're welcome. Pleasure to be here with you, Shana. Well, everyone, we had one comprehensive show tonight that focused on your health. First, we talked about HIV and AIDS. Then we also followed up eventually with a conversation about your eye health. Also on the lines of health, talking about shopping for the ideal turkey, making sure it's as healthy as you want it to be. Okay, we had a professional on with us that shared her perspective. And also, we talked about veterans and their benefits. So we had a great show tonight. Hope you picked up something. It was a versatile show because, you know, here we keep you informed with many different topics, okay? We offer variety because we know that we have so many different things that matter in our lives, and we want to keep you as informed as possible. Well, everyone, you know I love great conversation, and I am just as adamant about music. And tonight we have a debut on this show. We have the one and only vocalist, Lindsay Slayton. She will join us tonight. Rather, her voice will. Her vocals and lyrics will join us tonight on the show. We're going to have to have her join us on the show one night in person to chat about her music because it's a phenomenal, phenomenal gift that she has. Had the opportunity to hear her live as I hosted the popular television show Atlanta Live a few days ago, and I will tell you, her voice will leave you in awe. Very mesmerizing, okay? Well, you know we come on every Tuesday night, same time, same place, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Stay with us. This is your show. Remember to tell a friend, share our post on social media with your family and friends. Remember, LTA Radio is in your ear. Please keep the conversation going. The music of Lindsay Slayton will take us home. Have a great Thanksgiving. Please be safe out there on the roads, and we will talk next week. Have a great one, everyone. Let's Talk America with your host, Shana Thornton, is an entity of Pageant and Thomas Enterprises, LLC, all content original, copyright 2015. You found my heart with scars and bruises.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.